All right. Well, welcome, everybody. I'm glad you're here this morning. Um, so this morning we're talking about drama, specifically the four pillars of drama, kind of what makes up drama. Uh, once you understand what makes up drama in yourself and also in others, um, you become a little bit more aware of it and can do something about it, right? Everybody can kind of pinpoint out when drama comes, right? Um, but you might not know what leads up to it. So as, as leaders, it's really important to understand, uh, first of all, about yourself, right? So as we go through, uh, I'd like you to take some notes this morning and really be thinking about, of these four pillars of drama, where have they showed up in your own life? And which one or two or maybe all four are currently in your life, right? So really this is meant to be a self-inventory this morning um, because once you do that, then you can take that and, and use it with your people. All right? Okay, so let's get started. So first of all, my purpose for teaching this lesson is really to help you search out and become aware of what might be a blind spot for you. Um, or somebody in your life, all right? So if there's something that we've all faced in our lives, it's drama, especially as a leader. Um, some of you I know are new leaders, and you might not have experienced a lot of that, so let me just share with you that um, it's coming. <laughs> and some of you have been in a leadership position for quite some time, and you are very well aware that it's there, right? And I don't mean like a pleasant Broadway musical or play type, right? I mean the kind of drama that's all about negative attention, right? Misunderstandings, assumptions, negative fallout, right? The kind that some people thrive on and no one benefits from. So don't let the word drama fool you here. Lots of people whose lives seem orderly from all outside appearances are actually running around inviting drama, right? Being involved in drama, participating in drama, and allowing drama into their lives, okay? So you don't have to, you know, be a person who, from, from outside appearances, you know, you've, you're falling apart, right? You can be that person who seems to have it all together, but has not mastered these four pillars. So each time we create or are involved in drama, at least one of a number of behaviors or patterns have occurred. So somebody, uh, and maybe it's yourself again, has acted in up to one of four ways that are made up of the four pillars of drama. So when I was first becoming aware of the principles around drama, um, and then again as I was kind of looking at this lesson and, and preparing, um, I just took a self-inventory, right? And, I mean, I realized that even today, drama and these four pillars are experienced in my own life. So I'm by no means kind of sitting here saying, oh, you know, get your stuff together, right? No, no, I, this is a, a constant thing, right? And I, from experience, know that when you approach these things and you are um, kind of taking care of business, it'll show up for you in some other way. So uh, I got to say, it's probably going to be a lifelong thing, right? But as you go through and you, you um, work through this, it'll get a little bit easier. Okay, so to the degree that we express or experience the behavior 
um, of any or all of these pillars, that's what we call a blind spot, right? We don't always see them or recognize them or even associate them with ourselves. So I'm asking you really this morning to be open, to have an open mind as we go through, to really ask yourself, does, how does this apply to me? Not does it apply, but how does it apply? Don't listen to this lesson and think that drama always means chaos either, right? And that if you have no chaos in your life, you have no drama in your life. The opposite is also true. Um, some of you know that last week was a, a little bit chaotic in our world. We had a storm with resulting power outages and things that happened in the house. So for all intents and purposes, it seemed like we had a lot of chaos, right? And we did for a time. But I also didn't have a lot of drama in the form of these four pillars happening. Because even though it was a chaotic, problem-solving time, my husband and I were able to come together and get the job done, okay? So chaos is not indicative of drama or not. These four pillars can create so much of an ingrained pattern that we actually don't even recognize the chaos that comes from drama. So again, I ask that you, you know, don't be so quick to give yourself a pass on taking inventory on these. If you have ever experienced drama, you definitely will have experienced one of these four pillars, and likely more than one, because typically one doesn't generally stand on its own. All right, so what are the four pillars? Okay, are you ready? <laughs> you ready to write them down? Um, and if for some reason you should, should uh, miss these, um, I did just post on our Facebook page, either my personal page, Michelle Burkhardt, or Grow By One's page, um, and also on LinkedIn, a video that gives just a brief um, look at the four, okay? So if you want to go back and, and watch that video, it's just a couple minutes, and then there's a, a cool little poll that you can take as well. All right, so the first pillar is jumping to conclusions jumping to conclusions. So I'm going to give you each one of the four so you can write those down, and then I'm going to come back and tell you more about each one, okay? Number two is looking to be offended. Looking to be offended. Number three is making stuff up. Making stuff up. And number four is not declaring noble, N-O-B-L-E, intent. Not declaring noble intent. Now, all of us know someone, maybe a coworker or a family member or a friend or, you know, again, at sometimes ourselves, who inevitably causes stirs up, or at least attracts drama. It isn't really hard to be involved in drama, right? I mean, think about that. It's not hard at all. It's actually impossible for somebody who is part of the world, right? So somebody who has a job or a business, a family, goes to work, a life, right? Anybody who breathes to escape drama. For those who are what we call the primary actors or causes of drama, drama really becomes an addiction right? It's all or nothing. It's like having, uh, giving an alcoholic just, just one beer or one cocktail, right? The people who thrive literally on drama get fed 
emotionally and physically, often both, in any number of ways, right? The adrenaline kicks in, their pulse quickens, everything moves faster and is more pronounced. And like all addicts, they continue the behavior even if they don't like the results that they get from the behavior, okay? So while they enjoy the high and they, they seem to thrive on creating drama, it doesn't actually ever make them happy. The quest for drama is a never-ending search with no quench of the thirst. And like all addicts and addiction, the more chaos and drama they create, the more they feel compelled to create and be involved in it. Okay, so that's a really key takeaway that drama is addictive. For people who thrive on drama, there's no actual end game or even a conscious awareness of a goal or a need that they have. Okay, so they can't ever really get a, um, a fix to the so-called problem because they're not even aware. Okay, so the goal or the need might be attention, right, or fulfilling a self-identity. Um, whatever it is, it's a perpetual state until a true decision is made to change. Okay, and of course they can create drama out of anything, right, from a family gathering, right, um, to choosing a certain word, um, to a gift, to a compliment, to the way somebody washes the dishes or loads the dishwasher, <laughs> right, um, to what's for dinner, to, you know, how fast is this grocery line moving, to a joke, right? I mean, how many people have been offended just by somebody making an offhand joke, right? Even to the tone of a person's voice when they say hello on the phone, right, or, or how somebody returns a borrowed item, to the kind of coffee in your employee break room. That was an example from somebody, a coaching client this week, right? Anybody can create drama out of anything, okay? So um, as we go through, you know, I want you to realize that, that this state of drama is really from a place of immaturity, okay? Um, as children, you know, we kind of expect children to act this way, and we kind of think adults will have it together later on. Um, but most, some people just never get out of that state, okay? All right, so the four pillars can be very close in their expression and in thinking, but they're very different, uh, let's say, strategies and ways of being, okay? So they never really occur in isolation. So you think you only have one, but really there's usually more, okay? Um, and typically all four show up at the same time. And I'll, I'll tell you how in just a minute. So let's take pillar number one. Um, and again, these really aren't in any sort of order, uh, just so you know that. So jumping to conclusions is really an internal process of thinking about external conditions and circumstances. It's always about others. It's about assumptions and judgments based on other people, what other people say, what they do, who they are, okay? It's about making an assumption of what you and the world meant to say or do. So think about a time when you've been wrongly assumed, you've wrongly assumed that something um, about a person or a situation, right? You jump to a conclusion or maybe many conclusions about somebody in your life. Right? And they're always based on judgment. Okay? I need you to see that there. Okay? 
Because in this what we call learning model of achievement or way that you think, you cannot have happiness, peace, or calm if you are defensive, if you're jumping to conclusions, if you're wound up like a tight coil, right, ready to spring at the first sign of drama potential, okay? When we jump to conclusions, we're in this what we call know-it-all syndrome, right? Um, we know it all based on our own beliefs and our thinking, and we become trapped in, in this, our way is, is the only way, right? It's not a way, it's the only way. We have a need to be right. We, we operate from always and never, right? There can never be a gray situation. It's always got to be black and white, okay? All right, so just, just let that sit. Maybe this week as you go through, key into, am I making a judgment here? And if so, what is my judgment based on? Is this a right or wrong situation? Okay. Now the second pillar of drama is making stuff up. So making stuff up is about my own self, uh, my, my own self-judgment, okay? So it's about a story that kind of happens in your head, right? It's about your own limiting belief, your own judgments, kind of the ultimate and paradigm-driven thinking, right? It includes other people, but the making stuff up starts in our own heads and is really based on our own story. Okay, so think about the negative self-talk that you use with yourself. Okay, that's, that's really what we're talking about. So rather than looking at the facts of the situation or maybe the truth of the situation, we kind of just let our mind go. <laughs> Have you ever done that? Um, so for example, maybe you're late for um, an important meeting. Um, or, you know, you, you know you've got to get to this meeting and you think that your job depends on it, right? And you're stuck at a red light. Um, and your thoughts and your anxiety begin to spiral. I don't know about you guys, but this always tends to happen when I've got to get somewhere in the morning, I'm stuck behind a bus, <laughs> right? Um, and you're sitting there and you think, oh, man, I'm never going to get there on time. Or, oh, I'm, I'm you know, my boss is going to, going to have a problem because I'm not there and they're going to fire me and if they fire me I won't be able to find another job and if I don't have a job I'm going to lose my house right and and if I lose my house I'm going to be forced to live under a bridge and be homeless <laughs> have you ever kind of let your mind go to that place before well you've gone from being a few minutes late to being homeless and destitute so making stuff up is really about the uh, spinning stories in our head to match what we are already telling ourselves or really expecting for ourselves. So how, how does this story even come about? Well, somewhere in our self-identity, there's what we call a victim mentality, right? A story of our victimhood. When we were not in control, um, when we are in our own self-judgment, right, our self-story, that there's some sort of inadequacy in us. And if we believe that story, that hype really, it's not really truth, then it's likely that one of the driving forces of our lives 
that the reason behind the drama is to support that story, to support that self-judgment. Because we want to be right. We want the story to be right, and it has to be in order to be supported. And once a thought kind of takes hold in our heads, all sorts of things can happen from there, right? So what, what happens is that a thought, and again, perhaps it's not even based on fact, can grow and expand until it becomes a whole factual story. And it's like we made a movie, <laughs> all, of, all of ourselves, right? We made a movie of our own. Lots and lots of time and energy and emotion are spent on furthering this movie and acting it out. Whether you're getting angry or hurt or lashing out or reacting or anything, it doesn't serve you. It doesn't serve you. So making stuff up allows us to, you know, make stuff up. Like, um, she did that because she hates men. Or he wants to see me fall flat on my face and fail. Or she always looks at me funny in the hallway. She's totally jealous of me. Right? We get trapped in making the story up without ever making a decision to kind of change it. Right? We're making those judgments again, and we turn our judgments into the internal drama. Okay? Does that make sense? Have you ever seen that in yourself? All right, well, the third pillar is looking to be offended. So looking to be offended is, again, about victimhood. Um, it's where you live in the story of your victimhood. It's kind of that woe is me, uh, where you can justify being wronged or angry, right? Um, it's a tendency of self-righteousness. Nobody or nothing measures up. We find fault in everyone and everything, and we live in a position of it's not fair. Okay? This is a, an attitude, a way of being. This is when you're oversensitive, right? You're, you go out and you're looking for bad service. Um, you're looking to be left out of a group. You're looking for the late birthday card or maybe some derogatory comment, right? You're looking for it. And so if somebody borderlines on that, you grab it, right? Um, you're looking to be offended is about bringing to life, giving birth to those stories about ourselves that we've already created in our mind. Think of it this way. When an outcome is expected or anticipated, we often view everything through the lens of that outcome. Okay, if you want something, that's what you're going to see. And sometimes nothing is more important to a person than this anticipated outcome. I have a dear friend. I love her to death. I, I, I struggle because she goes around based on, and she's had some horrific things that happen in her life. I don't want to diminish that in any way, but her way of being, her pattern of thinking that she's learned over life is that every place she goes, she looks to be offended. She looks to be left out of situations. She looks for people to hurt her so that she has evidence of that internal story that she's told her over time that she's not worth it. And it's so sad because when I'm with her, I want her to see how awesome she is until she chooses to make that change in herself and see herself as that awesome person, she's never going to see it from other people. Does that make sense? 
Yeah. You know, it's funny because the problem for you and me, especially in leadership, is that somebody who is operating under this pillar of looking to be offended never suffers in silence. (laughs) They have a need to share their crappy, unfair experience with anyone and everyone who can fog a mirror. Or they're the first person to go on Facebook and tell the world about the horrible service they got somewhere, right? Yeah. All right, so the fourth pillar of drama is not declaring noble intent. All right, so noble intent is really about believing that everybody's intentions are good, okay? Um, In plain English, it's about giving the benefit of the doubt to everyone, okay? It's about being open-minded to a person's true motivation, right? I mean, think about that. How often do you really know somebody else's motivation for saying or doing something. You know, I I work with a lot of teachers, and one of the things that um, we talk about a lot is child behavior. (laughs) And the question is, why in the world are they acting that way? Now, it's funny because in in, um, child development, there's decades and decades of research, um, and every week there are new published research articles on um, helping us understand uh, children and development and the way the brain works and uh, teaching and learning and education and all of these things, right? But still, somebody asks the question, why in the world is he doing that, right? So if we don't understand that from a child, even with all of this information and knowledge we have, how can you truly understand about the the intent of your employee or your spouse, your mother, your mother-in-law, right? How do you truly know what their intent is? Okay, you might not. So noble intent is about believing that people are acting, doing, saying, and being in ways that represent our very best interests, okay? Um, Not declaring noble intent is, of course, the opposite. It means that if if you're given the opportunity to judge somebody's words or actions as harmful or threatening or hurtful, that you choose to see it in that way. And that keyword is choose. That you're not giving a person the benefit of the doubt or in the name of this pillar declaring noble intent. Okay? So what does this really mean? Well, noble intent, declaring it or not declaring it, is a way of being or not being. Okay? Period. You get to choose. And keep in mind that the quality of your life may very well be determined by this choice, okay? If you do declare noble intent, then the first three pillars cannot have the space or place to grow in your life. If you look at everybody who you're you're dealing with and you assume that they are doing the very best they can with what they have and know and that they are wanting the best for you, You can't have a place for pillars one, two, and three to to even be present in your life, okay? When we approach any person or situation in life, we view that person or situation in a particular way. 
And we can view the, them through the lens of noble intent, or we can choose not to. Just as you can see the best in people, you can also choose to believe that people are vindictive or petty, right? So really, again, it goes back to choice. If you are seeing somebody in a certain way, somewhere along the line, you have chosen to see them that way. Now listen, I know that, that, that somebody on the line is struggling with this. You're saying, Michelle, no, no, that's not, that's not right. That's, you know, if you knew my story, if you knew what I've been dealing with, listen, I understand. I really do. Um, you know, full disclosure, some of you know this, I, I came from a very rough background, right? I mean, I'm not even going to go into it all, but I can assure you, if I were to tell you my whole story, you would see the evidence of why Number one, I should be screwed up more, right? <laughs> Number two, why I, it would be okay for me to kind of ex accept this victim mentality. But I got to tell you, I want to live my best life. And so at some point, I had to make the choice to see the best in people. Even when my own experience showed me otherwise. Okay? Some of you have been really hurt. Some of you are even right now going through situations in your personal life, even in your professional life, where you're dealing with people and you are being currently hurt, okay? And it's not like you're looking to be offended. It's that situations and circumstances are happening where you're dealing with this. What I'm telling you is you have a choice about how to look at people. And yes, for those of you wondering, I, 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 that was my pregnant pause there, <laughs> okay? All right, so, so drama is really about sticking to your stories, your judgments, your old beliefs, right? You become trapped in that thinking. Sometimes it's more powerful than reality, right? Because reality can be sobering. It can be hard. Um, I recognize that this might be a shock to your being right now, right? Um, if you think about it, we're trying to break that pattern, that addiction withdrawal, okay? So if you're addicted to self-talk, we're trying to break that, okay? You gotta start admitting when our assumptions are wrong, right? That we have jumped to conclusions, that our story is in fact not factual, or you know, even if it is, it shouldn't be adopted as our own, right? So maybe you're going through that really hard thing at work, right? Maybe maybe somebody is treating you in, in, a, in a certain way that you know is not right, but yet our job is to make the choice to not uh, let that in and color who our, our self-identity is, okay? If somebody else is having an issue, don't let that be your issue. That's really hard work, okay? It's really hard work. Um, so here's some questions that you might ask yourself before getting involved in, in drama, right? First of all, is this my business? <laughs> is this my business? Um, is this somebody else's business? Um, is this only uh, God or whatever higher power that you might subscribe to business? Right? Whose business is this? 
because I guarantee you probably 95% of things that come your way, it's not your business, <laughs> okay? Um, as you examine your own life, um, really think about how drama plays out in, your, out in your life, right? How does it show up? So you can ask yourself these questions, and you got it. You know, these are your homework questions, right? So what drama do I have in my life today? Where can I find the drama? And which people are always close by when the drama comes around? So the, the Bob principle that John Maxwell talks about, it's a, a people principle in one of his books. He says if, if Susan has a problem with Bob and Cheryl has a problem with Bob and Steve has a problem with Bob, who's the problem? Bob, right? So when you're examining where does drama show up at, at, in your home or um, with your friends or, you know, especially at work, where is it, who's around when it comes, okay? And a really important question is, am I doing, saying, or thinking anything that might be contributing to this drama? Don't skip over that one. Am I doing, saying, or thinking something that might be contributing to this drama? And what would I have to do as far as thought or action to remove myself from these situations and prevent my being involved in the future? Okay? So what do I need to do in order to, to remove myself or prevent this? And go back to those four pillars and see if there's something there um, for you to work on. All right? Okay, it is 8.30. I thank you so much for being here. Um, next week we're going to talk about tips and strategies to increase your positive influence with your staff. Um, so I am holding an image of you being intentionally influential, powerfully productive, and empowering and engaging the people you serve. So with that, I release you all into the wild. Go forth and prosper. Have an amazing week, and I'll touch base with you next week. All right, bye-bye.